Impact, showcasing our Southern Arizona nonprofit superheroes that impact our community. Hello, this is Barbara McClure back with another show of Southern Arizona Nonprofits, the superheroes impacting our community. And we're here at the Tucson Business Radio X studio in the Stuart Title Building on Broadway. And I have three wonderful guests who are joining me today to talk about literacy and things they do in the community. So with me are Betty Stouffer, who is the Executive Director of Literacy Connects. Welcome, Betty. Hey, hi, Barbara. Thank you for coming. Glad to be here. And Ethan Meyerson with Make Way for Books. He's the development director there. Hello, Hello, Ethan. Hello, thank you. Sure, thanks for coming. And Adrian Ledford, who is the director of Treasures for Teachers of Tucson. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. We are brought to you today by SKIP, Social Service Indemnity Contractors Pool. And they are underwriting the program, so we're very appreciative of that. And you'll learn more about them later on in the show. But today, I think really we're all kind of reeling because just this Monday, a wonderful program here in Tucson was postponed, canceled really, because of the coronavirus. But I thought it was good to get everybody with literacy together. The Tucson Festival of Books was canceled for this year, and we'll have to wait around again for next year. It's too much of a production to start all over. It'll be back. It'll definitely be back. It's been here a long time, hasn't it, Betty? Does anyone know how many years? I think it's been here longer than I have. Was that it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, a very cool thing. But I thought we would launch in because we're talking about books, and books are so important in Tucson and so much a part of our culture, especially in March, with Ethan Meyerson, because with a organization named Make Way for Books, it seems like the perfect way to start out. So maybe you can tell me, Ethan, what Make Way for Books is about. Why do you do your work and what is what is it that you're doing exactly? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. So a big focus of the work of Make Way for Books is literacy among the age zero to five set. Uh, so the youngest of our citizens, the youngest of our neighbors. And uh, it may sound strange to talk about literacy among newborns, but really there's a lot of pre-literacy work that happens among that age group. So we try to do programming to um, to reach children who might otherwise not have access to high quality childcare options. Um, we find that among, um, among demographics where um, uh, there are schools that have, for instance, a high percentage of students on free or reduced lunches, uh, we find that only um, 20% of zero to five children, children age zero to five, actually have access to high quality child care. That leaves 80% of children who aren't in an environment where they're necessarily being read to, uh, where they're encountering books, where they're encountering the magic of reading. And so we try to work with that population to make sure that they're surrounded by books, that, that all the adults in their lives know how important reading is. I think that's terrific. Personally, my husband and I have been involved in literacy for many, many years in other states. And he is a school board president here, and it was shocking. They opened a preschool, and they found out, well, they opened the preschool, actually, because they found out that the percentage of children coming into kindergarten in a rural, low-income community, what, 70% had not had a book ever read to them. It's amazing that uh, we see statistics like that all the time. And um, it's easy to think, well, that's, that's sad or that's unfortunate, but it's worse than that because what happens is children who aren't read to, children who don't have a childhood surrounded by books often fall behind their peers in terms of kindergarten readiness. And that leads to falling behind their peers at third grade state assessments. 
And once a child has fallen behind um, their peers at that level, uh, in terms of reading level, it's very hard for them to catch up. Um, children who are reading below grade level at third grade have a much greater likelihood of dropping out before the end of high school. Sure. I've heard those statistics. And we had a son who actually reading didn't click to, for him until fourth grade, mm -hmm. So, which was part of the reason we got really involved in literacy early on. <laughs> and honestly, when Jeff came back with that figure, 70%, I thought that that had to be a, a typographical error or a miscommunication because it doesn't even really seem possible. Right. So you're out getting books into the hands of people. How do you do that? A couple of different ways. Um, a big one is um, we work with uh, a, a two-generation model. So the children and the adult caregivers in their lives, parents, grandparents, in some cases, aunts or uncles. Uh, we have a lot of family literacy programming uh, where we actually go to the communities. We, we try to meet parents and, and uh, caregivers where they are. So we come to the communities and we do programming to help parents and, and other caregivers realize that they have the skills that it, that they need in order to be their child's best first teacher. Uh, and so along with that, we make sure that they have books, that we, we are giving them high quality, meaningful, culturally appropriate books that they can have, that they, they, their children can grow up with. That's really cool. And where do you get your books from? It's a great question. So we do um, we do purchase a lot of books because we want to make sure that we're getting just the right books. As I mentioned, we want books that are culturally sensitive, that are written in the language that's spoken at home, that are meaningful to the to the people we're we're working with. So we do buy a lot of the books. Uh, fortunately, at a discount from publishers, they're they're willing to work with us. Uh, but also, we have a lot of donated books. We we rely on the kindness of our community of Tucson to to supply us with books. Um, so we, we gratefully accept donations of books. We, uh, we have organizations that run book drives for us uh, that um, uh, collect books from their own constituents. And uh, we even accept donations of Bookman's Credit. Oh, that's very cool. I, I didn't even realize that, so that's good to know. I think we all have that Bookman's credit slip in our wallets, the, I know. <laughs> the miscellaneous $8 in B trade or an A trade. Please feel free to bring that to make way for books. That's a neat idea. I know at Impact we have one of your blue houses in the lobby. Yes, so maybe another, you can talk about that. That's absolutely. a fun that's partnership. A, another great way that we get books out into the communities, we have these blue book houses, and they're kind of like the little free libraries that you see in front yards. Um, it's it's a bookshelf that is built and painted and maintained by volunteers, and then the books are donated books, and those are stocked by volunteers. So really, this is very much a volunteer-driven program. These blue book houses, as you mentioned, exist in the lobbies of Impact and of other social service agencies, of food banks, of doctor's offices, pediatrician's offices, wherever parents and children might find themselves waiting for a few minutes, uh, there's an opportunity for them to, to read books. And we love it when we go visit these bookshelves and find them empty. That's what we want. We want those books to leave the shelves and to find their ways into the hands of, of families who will appreciate them and treasure them. And then, of course, we restock the shelves. Sure. That's very cool. I think our kids who come into our lobby love to go through that book house. So that's a neat thing. We're happy Usually to the that. staff are clearing up the piles on the floor afterwards <laughs> and reorganizing, but everybody loves it. And Adrian, I know with the Treasures for Teachers, you probably have something to do with some books as well. Do you find books donated to your organization? Maybe you can tell us more about your group. We have a plethora of books. In fact, we have so many books. We recently were just having free books, book sets, book children's books, chapter books. We've given them to as many schools as we can. We have donated to Literacy Connects and Make Way for Books numerous times over the years, um, and they just keep coming. They just keep coming. 
So, Well, there are a lot of books in the community, aren't there? Yes, there is. There is. <laughs> and was it you who gets books from Bookman's also? Do you well, partner we, with them? We partner with Bookman's to um, to do things with them. I used to get books from them when I first opened, and we didn't have a lot. But now we actually are, are trading with them different things. We trade children's books for classics for the high schoolers. Oh, nice. And things like that. So we just do a lot of um, reading over there. Like on St. Patrick's Day next week, we're going to be reading about St. Patrick's Day and then doing a recyclable um, arts and crafts event. That's very cool. Well, maybe you can explain for our listeners what um, Treasures for Teachers is doing. What is it that you do with teachers or how do they get involved with your group? So what we do for teachers is we try and make sure that they have all the supplies they need in their classroom meaning uh, materials that they can work with, not pens and pencils and crayons and paper. It's more of the hands-on items like for science and for art. So things like corks and actually zip ties, fabric, tile, all the kind of crazy things that teachers go out and buy at Walmart or Michaels or someplace, then that's what costs them a lot of money. Uh, pens and paper is what we get donated to us a lot because when you hear school supplies, you think, crayons, markers, paper. No, it's it's a lot of other different things. Tape measures is a huge one right now that I cannot keep in the store. Oh, interesting. So teachers come in for a $35 annual membership. They, um, they become a member and any teacher can join. So it's not just public schools, it's charter schools, private schools, Bible study schools, the Children's Museum comes to us in shops, the zoo, and numerous other programs that do things with uh, even older adults, uh, the Jewish Community Center, Arts for All, and Beacon Foundation. Sure. So they shop up and down the aisles for everything they need for their projects. That's pretty exciting. I'm sure they appreciate it, it because the teachers, of course, have they, they put in so much time and energy, and they put in so much of their own money, so I'm sure it's welcome nonprofit. Average teacher spends a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a year of their own money on wow. supplies, not just um, books or th and that doesn't even count books. That's just supplies. Sure, and not even the pencils and papers and no. things. No, <laughs> Impact uh, recently partnered with Adrian because they had a lot of backpacks that were donated, and we give out two hundred and fifty to three hundred backpacks every summer to low-income families stuffed with all those pencils and crayons and papers. So I think we'll have a lot of children served this year, which is great. Thank you for your partnership. We're very blessed um, right now. People are starting to find out about us after five years. We're very, very blessed with in-kind donations. So what we've been trying to do for the past three years is find whoever's doing these school supply drives. Last year it was ICS, and we give them almost everything that they need. So that's you're our, you're our charity of the year. Well, it works out great. Thank <laughs> it you. It will work out. We have a lot of children we help, so we appreciate that. And I think all those families struggle with all of those kinds of things, you know, whether it's getting books for their children or knowing even where to go to get books if you're low income and all those things that, that will certainly make a difference in the lives of all the children in Tucson. So thank mm -hmm. you for doing that. And your location is... Um, on the west side. We're kind of hard to find, and that's sure. the first thing people say when they find us, but we're a destination. We're not someone to just drive by because you must be a teacher of some sort to come. So we're up near Ina and the freeway. We're tucked back in there um, off Ina Road, way in the back by an industrial park. Sure. So that's good to know that people, when they want to drop things off, do they go to that same location then? 
and the hours that were open, because if they drop things by when we're not there, they can blow away in the wind or something. So we ask that people do not just drop things off. We're sure. open four days a week because we lack volunteers. If we had more volunteers, we'd be open more. So that's a big one. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. I would think with teachers' schedules, you have must have evening hours. I mean, you must have to be flexible to be open when teachers are available. Right. So during the school year, so that's from um, August until May, we're open 2 to 6 in the evenings and then 9 to 3 on Saturdays. Then that flip-flops June 1st from June, July, and August, half of August, we're open 9 to 3 every day except Sunday. So, um, and that, because the te- that's our busy season, the teachers shop more in the summer for the following school year. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All is that getting organized? Well, I think that's part of the fun of this show. You know, the point is really to connect nonprofits with each other, but also with the community so that our listeners know when they have a passion for something that matches with an organization or they might live right around the corner from you and not even realize you're down there tucked yeah. in that little we're, industrial we're area. So. Um, and people who are looking for volunteer shifts. I know all volunteer organizations, rather or nonprofit, need volunteers. So there's so many options. But those are some nice hours for people who work and then want to come in on a weekend or an evening. That's good to know. Thank you. How about you, Betty? Literacy Connects. I know you're doing lots of literacy that's not necessarily school oriented. So maybe you can tell us some of all of all of your programs. Well, we yeah we do literacy from birth to, I think our oldest student right now is 84. Okay. So any age, uh, we have a program for any age. Uh, Similar to Make Way for Books, uh, our early childhood program is Reach Out and Read, which is pediatricians who prescribe books at Well Baby Checkups and give the book um, to the family, along with some conversation with the parents as to why it's so important that they read to their children. You know, it's not just to get them used to books. It's because their brains are forming. And most most the most brain growth happens between birth and three years old. So some a, a baby who's in a language rich environment, they're going to have more brain synapses formed than a baby who's not. So it's not just falling behind in school. It, it's really a whole lifetime challenge. Um, so it's so very important at that young age. So and then we have an elementary school program uh, called Reading Seed. And that's uh, highly driven by volunteers. We train volunteers to go into the schools and uh, work with primarily kindergarten through third grade. We do stretch a little bit up into fourth and fifth. Uh, But it's kids who have been referred by their teachers because they're struggling with reading. They've fallen behind. And we train our reading seed coaches. They're not going to teach reading. That's the teacher's job. Their job is to help the kids fall in love with books. So make it fun. Get to know the child. Uh, find out what they're interested in. And then we have a whole library full of books, both free and uh, books to loan, that they can come back. And we have a staff that will help them find that just right book for the child that they're working with. Um, and then it's it's just the joy that the volunteers have of seeing when the kids really start to go from being afraid of books to loving books. Sure. That's that's the payoff that the volunteers get, and they love it. Um, I bet. That's that magic moment, I bet. Where it everybody... is. Oh, it very much is the magic moment. And it's what keeps the volunteers coming back and wanting you know, to work with kids year after year. So it's a, it's a wonderful program. Uh, we're in about 36 elementary schools this year. 
work with about 1,300 kids this year. We had 300 we weren't able to match because we didn't have enough volunteers. So always looking for more Reading Seed uh, volunteers. It does mean you have to have some free time available during the school day because it all happens in schools. Um, But it's we know it works. The test scores show it. Kids who work with a Reading Seed coach, their reading scores are progressing 30% faster than kids who don't have a coach. In kindergarten, it's 70% faster. So we have a special program we do with kindergartners, which we sort of think of as the safety net. You know, as as, uh, we were hearing, there's a real lack of quality preschool in, in Pima County. So we think of our kinder program as a bit of a safety net for the kids who didn't have that quality preschool. It's an opportunity for them to catch up. Um, so that's our reading seed program. Uh, we have. I'm yeah. sorry. Can I ask you sure, a quick question sure, about sure. that? So you said you're in 36 schools. So I'm uh-huh. thinking about volunteers. Like, you know, like Jeff uh-huh. and I used to volunteer in the school when our kids were in the school. So if our listeners had a school nearby and they could go find out if reading seed is there, or just check on your website. How do they find out if there's a school nearby that they could participate in? Um, I don't think our schools are on our website. Okay. Um, they can. They can call us and find out. Um, but we are only in Title I schools. Okay. So, you know, if you're living more in a suburban area, uh, chances are we're not there. Okay. <laughs> we're in the schools of highest need. Gotcha. Well, 36 sounds like so many, but <laughs> I know uh, there are a lot of schools. You know, <laughs> it's 1,300 kids is what we served this year. And I just, by looking at the test scores of K through third grade, there are 10,000 children in Pima County who would benefit from a reading seat coach. So, you know, for the 1,300 that got the services this year, it's wonderful, and it helped them to catch up. And and it also helped them build a home library because they get a free book each time they meet with their coach. Um, But it's, yeah, there's so much more. I know. That's it about not even Tucson alone, but just all communities. There's so so many opportunities to pitch in and help. And I think it's one of the unique things about Tucson is that we have so many nonprofits in this community literally thousands so then we have another it's in other it's an elementary school program although it does some middle school and high school work as well called stories that soar and that's the most unique program i think of any literacy program probably in the country let alone in arizona uh, because it's really about getting kids to write and enjoy writing find their voice um it's, it's a magic box that goes into a school and tells the kids that it'll starve if they don't feed it stories. Oh, and, they, and they can write anything they want. The box lives in the school for about three weeks. Then we bring it back, and our staff reads through the stories. And there can be anywhere from 400 to 2,000 stories in that box. Um, wow. the, the staff reads through. They'll pick between 25 and 30 uh, that they can fit together. We have a whole troupe of professional actors and musicians that, that work with our Stories That Soar program. Uh, they put together a one-hour show. They go back to the school, and the kids get to see their stories come to life on stage. Wow, that's very cool. The kids love it. I uh, bet. After the magic After the Magic Box show, the teachers tell us the kids are asking for more time to write. Um, we see it in schools where the magic box has been there year after year after year. We see the culture of the school change. It's, it's really remarkable. It's very fun. So, and we do, I don't have time to get into all of it, but they do something. We we do a middle school and high school version of that as well. Um, so those are our kids programs. Then we have two adult programs. 
We have English language acquisition for adults, which is the immigrants and refugees here in our community that are wanting to improve their uh, spoken English skills. Um, and then we also have, and we're in uh, 21 sites all over uh, the Tucson area, libraries, neighborhood centers, the like. Um, and then we also have adult basic literacy, which is for adults who speak English well enough, uh, but they really struggle with their reading, writing, and, and math, or possibly math. We do all three, depending on what the student needs. Um, and our specialty with adult basic literacy are um, adults who come to us reading under the sixth grade level. Some of them, tragically, are high school graduates. Many are not. Um, so we have a GED and a pre-GED program, and now we offer it in both Spanish and English. Oh, that's nice. So, uh, yeah, so we, so, you know, we work with the adults, the parents, the grandparents, the, uh, as well as, as, as the little kids. Um, there's just, there's so much need, so much need. Um, you know, you were, you were mentioning the Festival of Books and the cancellation of the Festival of Books, um, a lot of people don't know, but Literacy Connects receives two-thirds of the proceeds from the Festival of Books. Oh, gosh. So that's a $140,000 loss that we're going to have in, our, in next year's budget. Um, and we were talking about Bookmans and what a great partner they are. They, they got a hold of us yesterday. They're doing sort of a, a little mini book fair in all three of their stores. They're going to have some local authors and some merchandise and so forth. And they're going to give Literacy Connects 10% of their weekend sales. Very nice. Yeah, That's I mean, the way. Talk about a community to coming together. Yeah, it's That's just great. awesome. Yeah. I even had a um, an email yesterday from uh, Diana Medeiros, who's doing a small book mm. drive or a small book sale in her mm -hmm. gallery. And so lots of people to pitch yeah, in and help you make up that difference. That'll be nice. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome to see. This is such a generous, supportive community. And when things like that happen, it just, you know, we were pretty devastated. It, <laughs> it really warmed our hearts to get that message from Bookman's yesterday. That's nice. Well, there's a good reason to shop at Bookman's, isn't it? <laughs> Especially not, this weekend. Not to promote them. Yeah, that's right. When otherwise, this weekend would have been the Festival of Books. So exactly, this yeah. is an opportunity to go participate in a different way. But that's mm -hmm. nice. I didn't realize that uh, Literacy Connects was the beneficiary in such a large way. So I, I bet there was a panic at the beginning our, of the Our week. Reading Seed program gets a third. The rest of the Literacy Connects gets a third, and then it's the University of Arizona Bookstore Community Programs gets the other third. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I think the people who are listening will probably uh, be excited to hear that, and, and also to it's an interesting thing to know. There's so many things. I think I was surprised when you said pediatricians prescribe books. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't... Well, I don't know that I've ever had my pediatrician prescribe a book, but he probably just assumed we were reading. It started It started in Boston uh -huh. with a, a pediatrician who always had books in his waiting room, and he couldn't keep, they kept disappearing. He just couldn't keep books because people take the books home. He thought, well, if they need the books, all right. So, and then he got to thinking about, well, if they need the books, why don't I start telling them how important those books are and make it official and give them a book? So he started the Reach Out and Read program in his clinic in Boston, and now it's a national program. Oh, that's a really cool thing. I didn't even know that was out there. Well, so this is the best part of this show. You learn something every day, more than you think you're going to, to learn. So other than 
um, the Festival of Books, where else do you get your funding for Literacy Connects, Penny? Well, the short answer is anywhere and everywhere we can. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, our adult programs have a contract with the Pima County Libraries and with the Pima County One Stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the rest of those, that's the only government money we get is in those contracts. Um, so the rest of it is grants and generous individuals. Um, I take it back. We have, a, we have a grant from the city, which also for our adult programs. And we have a new grant this year from Pima County for our newest program, which is an after-school program for middle school youth. Uh, we finished our renovating our building. We have a 15,000-square-foot building on Yavapai right across from Amphi High School. And we finished that renovation this year but with the final phase being close to a 4,000-foot space. It's the permanent home now of stories that soar. It's their rehearsal space and where they store all their props and equipment and so forth. But in the afternoons, it's an after-school space for the middle school youth from uh, Amphi Middle School. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, we learned when we moved into that neighborhood that surprises most people, but the Amphi neighborhood is actually the poorest neighborhood in Tucson. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of kids with nowhere to go after school and lots of trouble to be gotten into. Sure. So we provide not only a safe space, but they're learning from our Stories That Source staff how to, they, they write the stories, but then every eight weeks they produce a show. And it's either live theater, they can do videos, or they can do animation. We have a, a tech room where they can do all that work. Uh, and they put on a show for their parents and siblings and so forth every eight weeks. We do dinner and a show. We just had it last Friday night. And <laughs> the kids have a great time. So they're they're becoming, instead of passive users of technology, as I'm afraid many of our kids are, they're actually becoming creative users of technology. Sure. And they're learning collaboration and communication skills and all of those other wonderful soft skills that employers want. That is really cool. I didn't even realize that that other component of stories that soar that they're doing performance. That's got to yeah. be a confidence builder yeah. and all kinds of other. And I, I just have to throw in one other great story. So sure. we we had we have four high school interns that work with the middle school kids, and then we had a graduate class from the College of Education come to mentor the mentors, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and one of those graduate students is from Saudi Arabia. Um, he comes with a theater background fell in love with what we're doing in the after-school program. So he's writing his master's thesis on it. And then he he already has a building back in Saudi Arabia. He's going to recreate the program in Saudi Arabia. Oh, that's exciting. There's a a really far reach. And that's that's really not just impacting your local community, but the the globe. So that's that's exciting. Congratulations. Pretty fun, huh? Yeah, that is very fun. Um, Ethan, I was going to ask you about, you were talking about how your program affects these young children and then the, the parents as well. And I know that you have a broad impact on the community. Maybe you're not over in Saudi Arabia yet, <laughs> but you know, yet. that might be coming. So um, I know you serve so many children. Do you have some statistics around? Yeah, we, um, we serve 30,000 children, parents, and educators every year. Um, which itself is a fantastic number. I'm really excited about just how broad that goes. Um, the communities that we serve, uh, as Betty mentioned, also are are some of the um, uh, the less affluent communities in the in Pima County and in Tucson. And so the impact of reaching thirty thousand community members spreads into the most needed places. Uh, but beyond that, 
part of our programming um, is with educators, the early childhood educators, um, people who are running uh, childcare centers and uh, in some cases running uh, home-based childcare centers. And the beauty of working with a community like that is that, sure, they're going to be able to impact the five or 10 or 25 children in their care every day, but the skills that they're learning transfer on to the next year and the next year and the next year. So it grows uh, year after year, the number of people who are impacted directly and then indirectly. Sure. That's pretty cool. I think it is amazing how many kids there are, like you're saying, in Tucson who really need that extra boost. So that's neat to reach out and get so many. I think, and so you have um, your chief program areas is you were talking about um, the blue book earlier because I brought that up. But what about <laughs> yes. your other projects? Well, so uh, one of the one of the other projects that I love um, is uh, is this app that we have, a Make Way for Books app. It's available on the App Store, so you can download it anytime. Uh, and uh, it's a really fantastic piece of technology. Betty, you were also talking about integrating technology into the work. And uh, this this app is a way to connect parents to different ways of thinking about books. So a lot of times parents will treat reading time as just before bedtime, we're going to curl up together and read. And that ritual is great. That It, it forms a bond with books. It, it, it equates books with cuddling and with love. And there's a lot of great things about that. But um, parents often will look at that as we're going to read a book and then it's time to brush and get in bed. That's how I did it as a parent. That's sure. how a lot of parents do it. Uh, the app enables parents to think of other ways to use books so they can... Um, as they're reading one of the books that's contained within the app, they can find other activities that they might want to do alongside reading the book or other things to talk about. They could take a break from reading and engage the child on, uh, if we were saying good night, moon, in your room, what other things would we say good night to, for instance? Uh, so the app is a really exciting way to, for parents to engage with books in a different way. The books that are uh, within the app are not actually there to be read most of them. They're actually uh, books that they can connect with at the libraries. So we integrate with the Pima County Public Library card catalog system. So uh, parents can look through the app, find a book, find their local library. The app will tell them which is the closest branch to them. And they can just go there and check out the book so that they have the book and they have the resource within the app. There are um, also digital copies of some books in the app as well. We've worked with local authors, local illustrators, uh, to create custom content just for Make Way for Books. And so some of those apps exist only with, I mean, some of those books rather exist only within our app, uh, which is a really exciting way for parents to engage with new content with their children as well. That sounds like a great resource for our families because, of course, we are way out in Catalina. <laughs> yes. And so we're serving the rural community and a lot of those families where we find a lot of um, lower income struggling families have cell phones mm -hmm. because they, they can't afford internet at home and they use their cell phone as their Google search and their access for homework for kids mm -hmm. for information. So I didn't realize you had that app and that that app was so robust. So it, that would be great to share with our community. It really is. And um, I'd be happy to give you some literature about it after the sure. show and you can share that with your community as well. Uh, right now we connect with the Pima County Public Library System and we're also expanding into other libraries as well. Uh, so in um, in Avondale up in, in Maricopa County, we uh, we work with the local library system as well. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to take a quick break here for a moment and, and hear a word from our sponsor, Skip. And so we'll be right back with you. Impact with Barbara McClure, featuring Southern Arizona nonprofits within our community. 
Welcome back to Southern Arizona Nonprofits, the superheroes impacting our community. We're sitting around the table with three superheroes who are leading hundreds of superhero volunteers. Betty Stopper with Literacy Connects and um, Adrian Ledford with Treasures for Teachers of Tucson. I always get caught up in all those T's knowing they're Treasures for Teachers in other communities. And Ethan Meyerson with Make Way for Books. So, um, Adrian, maybe you can tell us a little more about your nonprofit. I know what kinds of fundraising events do you do? Because as a podcast, people are listening to this recording all different times of the year. And I know you have things going on every season, things that people can join in on. So our fundraising um, is a little different because we have done numerous small fundraisers. And because I'm, I'm I lack volunteers and people to help so much. That's the kind of our biggest need right now, I would say, and board members, of course. We haven't been doing a lot of the small ones because they just aren't worth it. They're not worth making 40 and $50 to spend a whole evening out somewhere. So we decided last year to start doing a golf tournament, and we're praying and hoping that that's successful. So if anybody out there wants to golf, please contact us. So we're doing that in November. So that will be our one and only big thing for the year. Uh, we have a small Oktoberfest. Um, if you know where we are located, we're right in between two breweries. <laughs> so well, Oktoberfest so Oktoberfest, <laughs> they have decided that we would be the charity um, that they that they sponsor. And so that's going to help us a little bit in October. But other than that, we depend on on donations or just teacher shopping. So rather than focusing on fundraising, my focus this year is getting more into the schools because even though we've been open five years in May, we still get a teacher or two that'll come in and say, I just found out about you. How, how do they not know that we exist? So we, we have reached 575 teachers uh, is in our membership right now. Wow, that's significant. It's 40,000 kids, but there's 160,000 enrolled in Pima County, mm-hmm. 160,000 children, and we're only reaching 40. So we have the potential to reach a lot more. It's just a matter of letting teachers know. So telling teachers we exist. And then the $35 that it costs to be a member of our thing, that pays our rent. None of us get paid. I'm the executive director. I don't get a penny. And we're all happy with that. We need to keep this place open. It's such a good concept because not just does it help teachers and children, it also helps our earth by saving a landfill. Everything is donated. Absolutely every pencil in the place is is donated. Uh, We never buy any supplies. It's just donations. And therefore, it saves businesses the the cost of getting a big red roll-off. Sure. And scrapping all their stuff, they bring it to us. If we have something that we can't use, sometimes we have lots and lots of wires from electronics, we give them to another place in town that does electronic recycling. So it's a wash each other's hands. The books with, with these two charities here, yeah, I, the books just go and go. Sure. But um, then if we ever get closed, we give it to foster places. So we share. It's just a matter of each of, each of us helping each other. I think that's typical in yep. Tucson, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all work but together. We, we appreciate that. We so, never can have too many books. Right. <laughs> so waiting for, for funding, no, we, we don't have any kind of, of major funding. Um, so to keep this place going, that is one of our goals this year, besides getting into schools, because that $35 is going to keep us open. 
You know, I think for me, when to hear, I always thought that it was more like you're saying the pencils and the mm-hmm. the school supplies that teachers need, or Kleenex and you know Clorox wipes and those <laughs> kinds of things that our local teachers are always asking for. But I hadn't really thought of those other things like arts and crafts kinds of things or science things you could use in a science experiment. So, can you give our listeners some other ideas? Because like when you said wiring, I wouldn't think like if I went through my garage, which really needs to be done soon here. You know, we'll I probably it. have all kinds of things that you would take that I would think, oh, no, they wouldn't take that. So, so. on our website, which is tforteachers.org, mm-hmm. there is a list under how you can help of all the things we take. Silly things like toilet paper rolls, coffee cans, spools of thread, the empty spools. You can make great wheels for cars out of those spools. I have a confession to make. <laughs> I don't know why, maybe because I had a mother who was in the Depression era, but... We, I have saved toilet paper rolls. It's just this one weird thing. And I, I used to have a dog who loved to tear them up. So I was in a habit of stashing them away, just that cardboard tube. And my husband laughs because that dog, we no longer have that dog. And he says, why are you still saving those toilet paper rolls? I said, I don't know. I think someday I'm going to have this creative idea and I'm, I'm just going to have this wonderful thought. But now, Jeff <laughs> you know will be so do. happy. I know preschools, that's so true, Ethan. Preschools and kindergartens, we can't sure. keep enough. I mean, we get plenty, but we sure. bag five or six bags a day, and they're gone by the end of the day. Oh, oh my god! And in each bag, there's 100 toilet paper rolls. So preschools do arts and crafts with them. They make little people out of them. They make binoculars out of them. They make... <laughs> Um, they block up the ends and you can make kaleidoscopes. There's so much you can do with scrap material. Sure. CDs, you can make jewelry out of it. Do you often give the teachers ideas? I mean, yes. I would think if I were a teacher, this might be just a good place to go to come up with some creative ideas. So recently the U of A came over because we're trying to who we're trying to target is student teachers that are graduating this year because they'll go out one they have their their student loans to pay off but then they'll go out and try and stock their classroom and just buying one poster is like eight to ten dollars one poster for their classroom so in our store we give most of it away for free we have a five dollar bag section and then we do sell some things so we have these really amazing posters and we sell them ten for a dollar oh wonderful where they would cost eight to ten dollars so there's there's just so much. It, it's an unbelievable store. And the first time you come in, you're very overwhelmed. Extremely. It sounds like a good field trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you were saying earlier only teachers can come in, but people can drop in and take a look around and get a sense yes. of what they could donate. We get a lot of parents that stop by and say they want to get things for their kids. So, if you think about a teacher and what everybody always hears in the news, the Red for Ed movement and all about how they don't get paid, we are the lowest paid state in the country for teachers getting paid. So when they do get that little 3% or 5% raise, which is rare, that's a couple hundred dollars. They spend 1500 a year. Sure. So if that could go to their their salary, and they if there could be more treasures for teachers, we do have one in Tempe. And if every state had that, the supplies wouldn't go in the landfill, and the teachers would have what they need. Because coffee cans, toilet paper rolls, and all that kind of stuff where can you buy that? Well, and you know, even here we are at Impact, right? And we have 170 volunteer shifts a week. So just like everybody, we are run on volunteers. We go through a lot of coffee. <laughs> and we have coffee tins and coffee buckets. And we keep, sometimes we stick them away in the marketing closet. Mm-hmm. I bet you can appreciate this, Ethan. Of course. We're going to use it. We're going to cut a hole in the top and use it for a ticket collector or a child guessing game or something at a tabling event. And 
businesses must go through a million coffee cans and not know that there's a place around the corner that would take those kinds of things. And I it's just, really funny. We can't keep that stuff. The recyclables go. So we're not a recycling place. We're a repurposing place. Right. People do drop off a lot of newspaper and things like that, thinking that we're recycling for them. No, we're repurposing. So if you don't think a teacher can use it, no, we don't take it. Um, but yeah, although I, I wouldn't have yeah. thought, you know, that a teacher would use a million toilet paper rolls. So I have to rethink <laughs> everything. <do>. Coffee cans, <laughs> you can make stilts. We, they, we call them stompers. Oh, sure. So that the kids can walk around. They hold them on a string. There's so much we can do. And yeah, we have a board in the, in the store that shows people how to make things from cars to jewelry to arts and crafts with all those things. Well, I have to find a way to get that word out in the community in a broader way because I'm just, mm -hmm. my head's filling full of ideas and. I like have I to said. ask, what, what is the most surprising thing that you've uh, found on your shelves? Wire from bread. You know the, the tie, the wire ties that tie the bread? Oh, yeah. sure. They're, that empties out regularly. That's, That's kind of the odd things. <laughs> beer, beer pop tops. We used to give them to Ronald McDonald House. Now I need them for teachers. Teachers make, they make clothing. They teach the kids to make belts and vests and things like that out of them. Um, I know, something. We have a school at Marana that takes scrap pieces of, of fabric that come from those fabric books and makes the most amazing purses, bags, you know, tote bags. Sure. The kids so, make them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's neat. They teach sewing and knitting a lot in schools now. Oh, wow. We sure. have yarn, and, and yarn goes. You have to come take a tour. So anybody that's listening that says, well, I really don't want to spend $35 to buy things. You need to come in and see because it's not like a store. It's a huge thrift store. And once you walk in, you get the idea of, wow, I can really do all this stuff with this stuff. You just, you can't imagine it until you walk in. And it sounds like you would need a gigantic <laughs> warehouse. Yeah, we, grew, we outgrew our warehouse in six months, and we've been there five years. My gosh. So you so you still need more warehouse space. We could use warehouse space, but sure. once again, rent is, is the problem. Right. Well, you never know. There might just be a building. I remember when Betty was starting, she was in a totally different building, and suddenly this community building came up. and Yeah, we went from 2,500 square feet to 15,000 square feet. <laughs> And it was just, you know, you weren't even really looking for oh, it. Oh, yes, I was. Oh, we're, well, oh, you yes, were, but it was. wasn't it one of those things that just kind of I had no came money, up? but I was. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We went Does that sound little... familiar to everyone also? <laughs> we went from a church to this building. With, with, some, with a little money, but a lot of vision and a lot of opportunity out there. And we're growing. Five years, five years is where we, we took off an in-kind donation. So the toilet paper rolls are coming in. Like I say, five years, maybe by eight years, we'll get the money. Sure. I'm, I'm very patient. There you go. Well, it does take a long time to grow a nonprofit. And I it think does. especially here in Tucson where there are so many. And I know there's a lot of opportunity for the tax credit uh, donations. So are all three of you tax credit qualified? Yes. No. You are? We are. Yes. Make way for books. And see, when I checked into it, we couldn't because they said we have to, you have to deal with children directly. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't we, know that. And we that. deal with the teachers. Gotcha. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, that's good for our listeners to know also. So if you're making a, cha a char charitable tax contribution, maybe that's right. uh, something that. to know. Sure. Well, and, and of course, we're coming up on April 15th. It's right around the corner. So mm -hmm. would either of you, Ethan and Betty, I'm sure you'd like to address your opportunity for that because it's 
you can still take your $19. Get those tax credits in. That's it. $800 if you file jointly and $400 if you file singly. Sure. Absolutely. And it's important to note that, um, and of course, I'll preface this with consult your own tax advisor. This is not tax advice, but it's important to note that um, it's it doesn't have to be 400 to a single organization or 800 to a single organization. It's you as a taxpayer, not the donation. So um, uh, you could you could split up if, if you're filing singly, you could split up that $400 donation among your favorite nonprofits. That's yeah, what my and, husband and I do. Sure. Yeah, and let me add, you can also do the tax credit to your favorite school as well as this tax credit to nonprofits. They're totally separate. That And that is a good question or a good comment, Betty, because I think that, that has confused a lot of people. Yeah. And um, so we address that at our house, that, yeah, you can do the 800 and then do the 400 at the school and then mm-hmm. uh, I think the foster care also. Yep, they, so there's yeah. a lot of opportunity. The as well. Yeah. It's yeah. a separate category. A lot of opportunity to support nonprofits in Tucson and, and make the difference, you know, help kids read, help grow their brain cells, help well, the teachers. That's really what it's all about because that $400 yeah. or $800 is essentially you directing your tax dollars to where you want them to go. Right. I think most donors in Tucson see that there's a change that they want to make in society. There, there's something, some vision that they have for Tucson that's a little bit better than the Tucson that they see today. And so if you can direct your tax dollars to help make that change possible and you can, why wouldn't you? Sure. And if you haven't done it, if you didn't make a contribution in 2019, you have until April 15th. So you can make Mm -hmm. a donation today and apply it to your 2019 tax bill. And I think people that that happened a few years ago, but some people still don't realize that. They thought, oh, December 31st came and went and I lost my opportunity. And it's a dollar for dollar credit. It's not a deduction. It's a credit. True. So you get if you give an organization $800, you will get $800 taken right off your state tax bill. Such a good deal mm-hmm. for a, such a good cause, for three good causes right here around the table. Well, I'm sure uh, we also have Arizona uh, Gives Day coming up, so there are lots of opportunities to give. And Absolutely. And one of the great things about Arizona Gives Day is that, um, or about the tax credit, I should say, is that it doesn't matter if you're giving through Arizona Gives Day or giving directly to the organization through their website or dropping off a check. Any way that you want to give, it all qualifies for the tax credit. That's right. Um, but yeah. as you mentioned, Arizona Gives Day is coming up, and that's a really exciting time. I think for most of us, for most of the nonprofits, uh, we really uh, tend to energize around that one day of giving. Um, at, I know at Make Way for Books, we've uh, secured a matching grant, so every dollar that somebody donates will be matched dollar for dollar by, by the matching grant, uh, which makes it a really exciting time to give. Sure. And then, Betty, I know you, we were talking about where you were getting some funding, and I have to give you kudos because Literacy Connects was the recipient of 100-plus women recently. So that's very exciting if you want to talk about that. That's a great organization. So the notion is to get women together who want to improve their community. So they only meet four times a year. But to be a member, you give um, $100 per quarter. So it costs you $400 a year to be a member. Um, And then every member can uh, nominate a a charity that gets vetted and so forth. And and once they're vetted, they go on the list. And then when when they have their meeting, um, all the members put their little slips in the hat of which charity they want to see get the, the money. They pull three and then those three get to make a five-minute presentation, and then the members vote. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so whoever wins the vote gets the money for that quarter. So, you know, they're giving away the last, I mean, we got a little over $25,000 in the quarter that we won it. Uh, and I just saw the organization. I don't remember. I'm sorry. It's Courtney's Courage. Yes. Yeah. They got 27000 and something. And now there's a 100-plus men's group that's getting started. So yes. the men are getting in on the act. And yeah. And we're also we're very fortunate that we just also received a, one of the small angel grants. So we're grateful for that, too. Congratulations. That's, uh, I think, in Tucson, like you say, it's a very generous community. And not just in individuals, but in a lot of foundations that are here, too. And organizations that work mm -hmm. to help fund all of us. So it's... That's pretty cool. And I know earlier when Betty was talking about um, the ESL programming, that's one of the things that impact. We also have an ESL program, but again, it's way out in Catalina. So uh, it, it's mostly people who are local to our community. But we actually have our ESL teachers trained through Literacy Connects. Mm -hmm. So they go down to do their training. So lots of yeah. nice. We, we train um, the Read Strong uh folks from the library as well we do a lot of training sure i know <laughs> training's important isn't it in all these things and and we have esl books for you there you go <laughs> Lots. well we can certainly utilize those that's an important part in our community and especially with a lot of refugees coming in like you were saying to find fits i moved in i started in southern california so when i worked in southern california we had to translate into four different languages and, but up in Catalina, we really have two primary languages, but we do have some Vietnamese speakers who've taken our ESL classes. So that's always kind of a challenge and people are surprised, but there really are a lot of different cultures here in Tucson. I think they're kind of hidden. We went to a, um, our ESL, when I first got to the organization, one of our people, we also have a citizenship program and we help them if they've gone through the process and they just have that last hoop which is to jump through to get your citizenship naturalization, take the test. We will pay for it if you take a one-on-one -on -one tutoring course with our volunteers. And when I first went down, and I was new to Tucson and had heard all the rhetoric, and I thought, oh, it's just Hispanic culture. And we got down to the naturalization ceremony, and there were 42 different nationalities represented. Mm -hmm. And the, the majority of the people in the audience were Hispanic, but there were people getting their um, naturalization from every country I could think of. I was just shocked. Our English language uh, acquisition program last year had people from 70 different countries. That's so cool. Who spoke 46 different languages. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's got to be a challenge. Who to... knew there were that many <laughs> languages? I know. That's, that's, I think, what was so surprising. And I think it's uh, just a challenge. But, it again, literacy is so important. And... We um, are also partnering with, it's not just literacy about reading, but I know Betty and I have talked about financial literacy, mm -hmm. and we have a big event that is scheduled for next week, and we're waiting to make our final decision tomorrow about whether we go with it or not with the coronavirus situation, but uh, Kimberly Yee was talking about mm -hmm. financial literacy. She's our state treasurer, and of course, that's huge if you, yeah. you need to have financial literacy and understanding to also help keep you from falling into a poverty piece, but getting out. So it's not just all about reading. So I think it's going to be a, a better community with all the help that everybody's putting in in literacy and helping kids get books and all these teachers get things. 
I think uh, on the website for the podcast, all of the information to contact these organizations is listed, phone numbers, Facebooks, uh, websites. So if you are hearing anything that you want to follow up on, it's very easy to get that off the site. But how about uh, I want to zip around the table and make sure you don't have anything else you want to add before we wrap up an hour. How about you, Betty? Do you have anything burning that you want to make sure you you cover? Uh, you know, I, I think I just want to say thank you, Tucson, for being the generous community that you are, for volunteering, for giving of your dollars, uh, your talents. Um, the nonprofit community relies on our community and they come through, you know, there's always more to do, but uh, you know, the generous volunteers and donors that I work with every day are just, that's the best part of my job, really. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree that, that those are the people that really mm -hmm. make your day wonderful. Yeah. Do you have any special needs that people can answer to you for right now? Uh, well, right now we're trying to figure out how to make up the, all the money lost from the festival of books being canceled and then reading seat. Uh, coaches we really need the trainings wouldn't start you can come in now and get registered and get the pre-work done but it would be for next school year so we really need more reading seat coaches do they come down to the literacy connects yes. office yeah. for training yeah okay. if you go to our website uh, there's an info session that you come to first they're all listed on the website you can sign up right there on the website and uh, and just come and learn more and there's no obligation if you come but you can come learn more ask your questions and then if you decide it's the right volunteer opportunity for you then you can go on into training I think it sounds like my retirement calling, honestly. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, I, I'm sure it would be. I would love something like that. It's too bad you're not up in the Northwest there, but we'll, yeah, well, we'll get to it. I think another thing that the three of us are doing would probably impact is that Jim Click raffle. Oh, sure. The That's... Jim Click raffle um, brings in money that uh, the charity itself keeps all the money that they're doing. So. That's true. That's another great way to participate in supporting nonprofits all and us, also yeah. get a chance at winning a new car. That's <laughs> or taking a trip. Taking a trip is, I think, a second place and yeah. some cash. But yeah, that's a good point. And I think if people are interested in buying a raffle ticket to the Jim Click, they can probably check your Tucson just Treasures for just Teachers website us, yeah. and other websites. Yeah. So that's great. And do you have anything else you want to add about Treasures for Tucson Teachers or? Treasures, treasures for, for teachers, teachers for Tucson. Of, the of reason Tucson? that we're of Tucson is a lot of people when they look treasures for teachers up, they find the one in Tempe. Right. And that's confusing. Um, we we kept that name because we work together. Um, we we take Phoenix teachers and they take our Tucson teachers. Oh, nice. So we share a membership. But um, no, I, I prompt people maybe to come and see us and see if you want to donate and, and volunteer. Those are our two big things: the donations and volunteers. And that'll keep us keep taking care of the teachers because we do that. Sure. And that's so important, such an important part of our community. Ethan, anything to add for Make Way for Books? Well, I would definitely like to second what Betty said about um, thanking the Tucson community for just its uh, incredible generosity. I've worked in nonprofits in Tucson for about five or six years, and I've been, I've been so impressed with just how much this community supports uh, itself, supports each other, supports all of the work that we do. Um, none of what we do is possible without the, the generosity of our neighbors and friends. And so we really do appreciate that. Um, with uh, Arizona Gives Day coming up, of course, that's a great way to, to demonstrate some of that generosity. But uh, even without financial contributions, um, people are always welcome to come visit us at, uh, at our office at Make Way for Books. We're on Stone, just north of the downtown area. 
And uh, the, the building itself, if you haven't been, I, I definitely encourage everybody to come visit because it is like walking into a storybook. We have these beautiful illustrations on the wall that come right out of children's books. Uh, so if nothing else, come by and say hello. There you go. Sounds like a lot of good field trips out there, honestly, for me. And I think it's clear that everybody around the table is so passionate about what they do. And I think that's the other side. You know, we do have this wonderful, generous community who supports us in so many ways. But I really tip my hat to all the people who are involved in all these nonprofits who you can tell the passion just comes through in talking to all of you. And I know that that's why this show is important to me because we want to highlight those people. You are truly the people that change people's lives every single day. And so we appreciate having all of you at the table. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Us. Thank you. Thanks you're, for having you're, us. You're very welcome. Impact, showcasing our Southern Arizona nonprofit superheroes that impact our community.